Uh, my job this week is to continue the series on deconstruct. That's where we're going. Deconstruct, it's a, it's a funny word to use now. There's a lot of um, implications and inferences around the idea of deconstruction. And uh, Patrick shared a little bit, has, we've gone, we're going through the series of, on Hebrews, and he started off with an intro before we got to chapter one on, on what, why deconstruct. And uh, what deconstruction is not, is it's not uh, just dissection or destruction. That's not deconstruction. You don't deconstruct just to tear it apart. It's actually you want to build it back up again stronger. He, he shared the illustration of this car that he fixed. I think he fixed it. I, maybe you, Paige, you might know. Uh, but he, he took it apart. He, he had this fun time taking the whole engine apart because you want to build it up again stronger. And so that's, that's what we're doing here is that we're, we're, we're dissecting a little bit, taking apart a little bit, but for the sake of building back up, looking at our faith um, at a, at a finer, finer tune comb, right? Looking a little bit closer. And we talked about how that Hebrews is not a book of doctrine or theology, but it's actually a book of philosophy. So doctrine and theology are what we believe. Uh, there, there's even books of wisdom of how to apply it. Hebrews is primarily a book of why. Why do we believe the things that we do? Why do we talk about Jesus all the time? We talk about him all the time. Why? What's the significance? Why is he better than all these other things? That's what Hebrews is. It's a book of philosophy and building up to, to, to why, why would we want this faith? Why, why, why would I be interested in this salvation? Where we've been already is uh, Jesus is better than the angels. Uh, that's what uh, Patrick started off with us, was Jesus is better than the angels. And angels were there for provision and protection and showed up at different times to deliver God's people and, and give a message. And Jesus is even greater than the angels. He's better than that. The next week, uh, Patrick, last week, Patrick talked about Jesus is the founder of our salvation, the founder, the very foundation and the founder himself of our salvation. And that's why we would want to, to take a closer look. And this week is really a part two of, of last week. So we found out about this salvation, about Jesus as the founder. And now we're, we're looking at, 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 a, at a concept of, of holding firm onto it. So the theme verse today is Hebrews 4.14. It was read earlier so, so well by Charles. Thank you. Uh, Hebrews 4.14. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Passed through. That's, that's an interesting preposition. Through. You ever think about that? Sometimes you, we just read things in the Bible, we're like, oh, that's like old Bible language, that's nice. Passed through multiple heavens, Jesus passed through. And it's because he went through this heavenly journey that we can confidently trust him. And then it says, it, it gives the command, this is, this is what we want to do this week. With the founder of our salvation, we want to, it says, hold fast for our confession. Firmly hold on to your salvation. Now, hold fast. Um, the, the words are, are strongly hold. Kratos. I, I, some kids play God of War, and apparently that's a, he's the main character. Uh, Kratos? Yeah, PJ, thank you. Um, it, it means strength. Like, it's the, it's the very essence of strength. Strongly hold on to. Firmly hold on to your salvation. That's the goal this week. That's what, so we, we have this salvation, but now we must firmly hold on to it. And it makes you wonder, okay, so what, 
what, why would I not? What causes me to let go? Why, why is the command there? Obviously, the, the writer of Hebrews is worried about this, wants them to hold on to it. So why would someone let go? I think it, it comes down to a couple things that we're going to talk through more today. One is love. I'm worried that God doesn't care. I'd let go of this salvation because I'm not sure if he loves me. People, the world, that's what would cause me to let go. Another reason that I might let go is does he have the power? Does he actually have the power to care for me or can I exhaust his care? Can I fail too much? Are the problems of the world too much? Does he love us? Does he have the power to? And that's what we're going to look at this morning. Spoilers, yes, he does. But that's where we're going this morning. And, and the, the better than picture that we get from uh, Hebrews this morning is Moses, actually. Uh, last week, got the idea of the high priest introduced. And, and today we're going we're gonna to look at that. The high priest kind of 2.0 in the Old Testament was Moses. Uh, Jesus is better than Moses. And what we're going to see through, through Moses and the, his two main offices is that God loves us and has the power to take care of us. And our big point this morning that we're going to build up to is that the suffering son is the heavenly high priest. Don't worry, I'll explain it. The suffering son is the heavenly high priest. And because he is those things, I can firmly hold on to my salvation. That's where we're headed this morning. Let me pray. Uh, again, God, thank you for your word. Thanks for the opportunity that I get to open your word with your people. And what a joy this is to be here, God. And as I um, attempt to convey your grace and your mercy, your love and your power, God, would, would your gospel be clear through, through my words? Would your gospel be clear for us? And would we... Um, see you as, as the, the object of our worship, the way we worship, and we want to worship you more and more. Thank you, God, for this, this, this morning. Your name, amen. Okay, so we're going to start in Hebrews 3. So I, I have kind of a, a high priest sandwich. So uh, beginning of chapter 3 has this concept for, for six verses. And then uh, next week, we'll talk about rest. And there's like this big old thing on rest for a while, and then he comes back to it at the end of chapter 4. So I've got beginning of chapter 3, end of chapter 4. It's a high priest sandwich, but we're going to start with the first part. Chapter 3, therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus. Just pausing there, this again, consider doesn't just mean like, consider it as in, what are you going to have for dinner tonight? That's not a deep enough considering. This consider is to, to really seriously, deeply mull over continuously this concept. So he's saying, therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, really think about Jesus, the apostle and the high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house. 
if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. So there's, there's the main text. And you see a couple of offices come out here. It, it says, consider Jesus. What is he? He's the apostle and the high priest. So we're talking about this idea of, of an apostle and a high priest. Now, the, the, the concept of apostle, I've also grouped in with servant because uh, in this passage is embedded, Moses also has these two offices. He was, uh, it said he was faithful as a servant. Um, an apostle is a form of being a servant actually. That's what an apostle is, a sent one from a master to go and do some task. That's all that apostle means, actually, by the way. It's just sent one, one who is sent. And so it says Jesus is this apostle that was sent, a, a faithful servant, and so is Moses. And so we're going to look at first is, is Moses as the apostle servant. And, and the, the, really the, uh, the format here is of an apostle is that it's from God to us. It's, it's God's representation to us. So that, that's the apostle, and that's what we, we're going to look at with Moses. The other thing to note about an apostle is that you really want a loving apostle. You want someone who cares about where he's going to. I think of this, uh, this time in my life where I thought I was going to work with high schoolers. Um, I quickly moved on to college students and stayed there. That was, that was the right, right move. But my first attempt with high schoolers did not go awesome. Uh, I was a freshman in college. That might have been a part of it as I was basically just like a slightly older high schooler. Um, and I volunteered with my youth ministry, and I was really excited because I, I volunteered to be a, a small group leader, and I was going to be a small group leader with my buddies who are only a year younger than me. And I just thought it was going to be the best time in the entire world. And uh, someone that I think it was actually the, the pastor the youth pastor said, Jared, I see a great deal of potential in you. I want you to handle the wildest bunch of freshmen that we have. There's like 15, and they were, and he basically said, like, these are the people that got kicked out of the other groups. Um, <laughs> thank you. Uh, so I want you to go and take care of them. Now, I, I, I don't want to say I didn't love them. I didn't like them. <laughs> they, they were rowdy and annoying they would burp and pass gas on command to an anger towards me. Oh, so uh, I did not care for them. And so the, every week, that was like the most painful half hour of my life. And it started to become painful for them. Because then I stopped like really trying to give lessons and just like assign them to run laps around our church building, which was huge, by the way. And it brought me so much joy to see them come back in sweating like, oh, oh. And then I'd be like... You shouldn't be out of, out of shape. You should go run again. Like, this is not, it's not a track. This is a church, I'm, but I'm, I'm using it as an excuse to make them go run again. So I was not a good apostle of the past. Like, at mid-year, the, my pastor was like, maybe that was a huge mistake. And uh, he didn't want to blame me, but he was like, this, what, what do you think went wrong? They were just really mean. I did, I did nothing, you know? I didn't make a mad at all. So um, I was not a loving apostle. <laughs> Um, Moses was mostly loving. He actually did a pretty darn good job. Moses did a, did a pretty good job. He was a, it says he was a faithful servant. Moses is one of the, the clearer pictures in the Old Testament of an apostle, right? He was from, at a faraway land in the wilderness, and God sent him, this is, this is Moses walking, sent him to Egypt to, to free his people, to, to be a servant on his behalf. And Moses did a pretty good job. There's, there's a lot of stories that I can share, uh, but he represented God well to the people. He did a pretty good job. Um, 
Most notably, you know, you've got, you've got Mount Sinai where he received the, the tablets of God and, and brought them down to his people. Now, um, at the bottom of, of that hill is kind of an interesting story when he got down there. Uh, some bad things had, had taken place in Israel, which I will get to later. Um, and, and it was Moses, as, as someone from God to us, that, that called his people to say, this is, what, this is wrong. God does not want this for us. And he said that regularly. And even on God's behalf once, he asked God to relent from destroying them, reminding God of his own purposes. Isn't that interesting? God, remember, you wanted these people. You wanted this people. You wanted this covenant. Don't destroy them for what they've done when you've made the covenant here. Moses was faithful. Most of the time. Most of the time. And one time, one of the final times, you know, he's, he's meant to be this loving apostle. The, the people were complaining just a little bit too much. He just got a little bit, little too annoyed. And uh, there's this story where he picks up his staff and God told him to speak to it and not uh, speak to a rock, by the way, just like talk to the rock, please water. Uh, instead of doing that, he struck it with a stick because that's, that his, his staff actually was a symbol of power that God gave him that instead of using it for God's purposes, he uses it for his own out of anger. And because of that, he wasn't allowed into the promised land in a moment of selfishness. There's a few other moments of selfishness for Moses. But Moses was pretty good. He was pretty good, but he still failed. Furthermore, he died. And they needed a new servant. Moses was, was pretty faithful. But he wasn't a son. This passage that we just read said Jesus is more than a servant. He's the son. Moses was willing to suffer for a little bit. But Jesus is the suffering son. This was read last week, Hebrews 9, or Hebrews 2, 9 through 10. Let me read it. Uh, to show this, this other apostle. But we... See him who, who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. This idea of suffering is closely tied to love, Right? You know, I wasn't willing to suffer with those freshmen. <laughs> Moses was mostly willing to suffer with the people until he had had enough. This concept of suffering is so central to Jesus as the apostle of God. And one other great thing about him being the apostle of God is that he is God. <laughs> so it's instead of Jesus, of God saying like, let's send one other human, the son, the builder said, I'll go. A volunteer servant. I will serve and I will suffer for these people. I will go and I will suffer for these people. And it was promised. It was Isaiah 53 promises the suffering servant, someone who would willingly subject themselves for these people. And it's really beautiful. I actually got to read this story this week with a few of my Tandon friends uh, in Matthew 9, and it's not going to be on the screen, but um, it's this picture where Jesus asked Matthew to follow him as one of his main dudes. And the, the religious people around were like, that's dumb, he's a tax collector, he's a swindler, he's a betrayer. 
And Jesus says to the people who spent their life learning the law, um, I've been using this phrase a lot recently with, with my tandem kids, but Jesus flexed on them in that moment and said, go and learn what this means. I love it. They, they devoted their lives to learning what this means. He says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. I desire compassion. I came out of my desire for compassion for them. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. That's who I came for. And Jesus fulfilled this apostleship by suffering even to the point of death, death on a cross. He served so well, so lovingly. And I even love, we're, we're going to come back to this idea later, Matthew 9, that, that desire, he says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. The system of sacrifice he's referring to was actually set up on that mountain when, uh, when Moses comes down with, with the tablets. There's actually this really fascinating moment where we might not have gotten all of the other laws. Uh, there's a moment where God, he says, I want to write my law on their hearts and enter this relationship. And Israel had messed up so bad at the bottom of that mountain that a new system was enacted, a system of sacrifice. And that system says, we, the sinners, need to pay the, pay the cost to repair the relationship. We need to pay the price. And that's what that system was built off of, right? You were always in debt. Showing up to the, to the, to the, to the temple, you had to bring something Look, I messed up this week. Here's a dove. Look, I messed up a week. It was really, really bad. Here's a bull. You know, there's all of these systems. And that's what sacrifice is built off of. But what Jesus is saying is that I desire to show mercy. And in a system of mercy, it is God who pays the cost to repair the relationship. That's love. Looking at people who we would call sinners who aren't worthy, maybe ourselves, Am I worthy? That's the apostle Jesus who came and said, I desire to show them mercy. Jesus is the suffering son. And, and furthermore, it's not a servant. He's, he's the heir. He's the builder. He could have sat on high and said, I'm not going. Someone else go for me. He sent himself. The suffering son is loving. The other office that we see is high priest. So apostle and high priest. Now, if you know you're, maybe you're like one of those Bible trivia people who um, knows all, all the Bible things, but you might be thinking, Moses, I don't think he was the high priest. I think that was Aaron. You would mostly be correct. That is true. Aaron was the first priest. He was set aside. Moses had some skills. We kind of forget about Aaron. Or sorry, Aaron had some skills. We kind of forget about Aaron. He, he performed, I think, three out of the 10 plagues. He was a way better speaker than Moses. He was Moses' old, older brother. And uh, there's this really, uh, the, the phrase in Hebrews 3 that he was faithful in all God's house. It actually is supposed to call you back. It, it's a word-for-word -word, um, callback to this passage in Numbers where Miriam and Aaron get, get wise a little bit. And they're like, look, Moses is getting all these accolades. It seems like he's getting special treatment. We're the older siblings. We, we were there through the entire thing. And I wonder even in their mind, like, Moses murdered someone. Um, <laughs> But they're like, why, why are we not getting more respect? And then God rebukes them and says, I speak to you both through dreams. But Moses, I talk to as a man to like face to face, directly to him. 
There's this amazing uh, thing that happened in, in Israel where the, it was the tent of meeting is what it was called. And every morning Moses would, would go down to the tent of meeting and, this, and God as a cloud would kind of hover over it, but also be there. And Moses would talk. And Joshua's first job, if you know Joshua in the Old Testament, Joshua's first job was to make sure no one got too close. Um, he was kind of like God and Moses' bouncer, like, no, because um, bad things might happen. But Moses was the one who talked to God face to face. When you think of a high priest, an apostle is God to us. A high priest is us to God, representing his, the people to God. And you want a high priest who has that kind of access. Moses, in, in that Numbers passage, is actually basically saying, Aaron, you're great, but Moses is an even higher high priest than you. I talk to him directly, face to face. And here we have this this. The, uh, the story that I mentioned before, Exodus 33, where Moses actually reveals this power that he has, where he gets God to uh, relent. Now, going back to uh, Aaron and, and the, the story of Exodus 33. So Moses goes up on the mountain. Uh, God's like, here's these 10 commandments, the 10 commandments. And they have like this long conversation and God hands down all these other like laws of, of, of a system that was going to be perfect. And meanwhile, down at the bottom of the mountain, Aaron, the first high priest, in his first priestly duty, gets all of Israel to worship a cow. Good, good first day in the job, my man. And I love, Moses comes down, uh, and Aaron is such a doofus. Moses comes down and is like, hey, why is everyone worshiping this cow? And Aaron literally goes, oh, I don't, like, we just threw gold into a fire, and it came out cow-shaped. <laughs> Craziest thing. I don't know why we're worshiping it either. That's also why. Aaron did everything. And at that, that breach of contract, <laughs> that awful, awful start to the nation of Israel, Moses goes before God and says, do not destroy these people. And God says, okay. That is a powerful high priest. And Moses was faithful as a high priest. But Jesus was counted more worthy than that high priest. He has more power. Last week, we read um, the end of Hebrews 2, 17 and 18. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation, that's a word we'll come back to, for the sins of the people, for because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Propitiation means complete, total satisfaction of the sin that was committed. And he did this as someone who was like us. He was like Moses. He was a human. And he became a merciful high priest in the service of God. And this is where we're going back. I'm, I'm going to bring us back to that passed through the heavens thing I said earlier. I didn't forget passed through the heavens. There's this beautiful, that phrase is, is amazing, and I wish I had a whole week to talk about this. But basically, you have this Dante-esque journey of Jesus, who starts in the very nature of God. I'm pulling from Philippians 2 and Ephesians 4, in case you ever want to look at these things. He is God. He started on the throne. And then he said, I'm going to go and I'm going to serve my dad as a lowly human, he became a baby, the most vulnerable thing you can be, 
grew up in, in the most, one of the most vulnerable times ever, under the oppression of one of the most powerful thing, powerful nations ever, almost died several times, was humiliated, shamed, and then killed on a cross on, on this. So that's heaven, and you've got this earthly realm, which they would call another heaven-esque thing. And then Jesus does this really, really cool thing that Ephesians 4 talks about, where he goes to hell when he died. And he grabs a bunch of people, and he says, guess what? Jailbreak. We're getting out. He grabs a whole host of captives, and then when he raises from the dead, he passes all the way through every single heavenly realm on his way back to the throne. Sin and death could not defeat him. They threw at him their best punch, and he passed through every heavenly realm. Nothing could stop him on any part of that journey. Jesus is a powerful high priest who is able to, to be the complete and total satisfaction of the sacrifice that we need. He's more powerful than Moses. Pastor the heavens and back, and this is our high priest. He's powerful, sure. But this is where we need to put these two things together. Because yeah, sometimes you have very powerful people but sometimes they don't like you. I think of a story, uh, another story from my high school times, um, where there was 11 of us in a class and there was this girl, we'll call her Libby. She was perfect, she was amazing, she was like a straight A student. There's eight of us boys that she hated. Uh, she later told us roughly half of us, I don't want to do that, I was like roughly, and then she just walked away. Um, she, she hated roughly half of us. And, and Libby was perfect, and, and we, we screwed around quite a bit and our teacher uh, finally had had enough one day, the final straw, and I don't know why this is the second time I'm mentioning this, but someone had passed gas in class, and that was it. That, like, the, the teacher was like, put everything away and sit out. Okay. She got so mad that someone would do this. Now, here's what we know for a fact. It was Libby. We knew it. We looked at her when it happened. We knew it was Libby. And here is the teacher. Now, in this situation, Libby has all of the power. She could have been like, it's me, and we could have moved on. But then the teacher was like, we're all getting detentions. All of you are getting detentions until someone comes clean. And you know what happened? Libby remained silent. And we all got detentions. Because <laughs> she did not like us. Not exactly a high priest, but she had, she had power. Sometimes the people that have the power, you're not sure if they love us. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence Draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. I mentioned before um, that Jan and I had some pain, some suffering on our way to this pregnancy. And I had these moments of great fear of my own failures being too much, 
being too weak, as we thought about having another kid. And I, there's a, there's a three year period where we didn't try and was confronting all of my failures. And I remember there was, a, there was a, a day where I was feeling like there's no way, there's no way I'll ever be good enough. No way I'll ever be good enough. I felt weak. I felt like I was failing in, in several different ways. And I drew in my journal this picture of a pre- getting into the, I read this passage and it was the, the throne room picture and I pictured this Isaiah 6 picture. And I don't know if you, if you know Isaiah 6, but Isaiah walks in in this massive throne room and, and God has this, this train, the train of his robe fills the entire temple. There's smoke. There's angels that, that they're so far away. The, the temple room, the throne room is so big that they have to fly to get to, to Isaiah. That's how big this, this room is. And that's what I pictured, was showing up to the high priest. And I even drew, I, I wish I, I had, the, I don't know where the journal is because I lose everything. I even drew little Jared over here and then there's, you know, the, all these steps and then there's God. I, in that picture, I wasn't believing in mercy or grace. And I wasn't really reading the passage. I was thinking that I had, I had to stand at the bottom of the stairs and prove my worth before I could walk up those steps. I wasn't really sure if God loved me, if he cared. And I was wondering if I had some things that I needed to do, some power to exert in that situation to, to prove myself to him. And you reread that passage, and it says, with confidence, Confidence, draw near. Run the steps, Jared. Run the steps. Get close. In your time of need, when you feel weakest, the throne has been titled grace, not power, not control, not fear, not trembling. The throne of grace, unearned favor. Our high priest, as the suffering son, got down on the slab and said, I will do this for them. I will be the sacrifice. And he bought us access, not just to the room, but to the throne itself and the one who sits on it. Not at a time in which I show up with everything put together, when I feel like I'm really firmly holding my salvation, know what I'm questioning, whether or not I can, whether I have the ability, whether it's good enough, that's the very time in which you climb the stairs, you run the stairs, and you go right face to face as Moses would and say, I need help. That's what our high priest, our heavenly high priest, bought us with his love. He didn't set up a system of proving. He cares. He has the power. He's beaten sin and death. And he desires to show mercy. Can I firmly grasp? Can I firmly hold on to my salvation? You could walk away from this morning thinking that you need to try harder and do better. But the why 
is that God is not inviting you to try harder and do better. He's inviting you to come near and let him give you mercy and grace because he has proven he loves you. He has proven his power. If you're wondering, have I gone too far? Is the world too much? Can I escape, approach, and firmly grasp not just your salvation, but the founder of your salvation? Someone who loves you and cares for you. And this is our confession. It says to hold to our confession. Our confession is that our, the suffering son, we confess this to the world, the suffering son who volunteered became our heavenly high priest and sacrificed for us to bring us near him. I'll give you a couple minutes as the band comes up just to think about what from this morning or from our text will help you firmly grasp onto your salvation. And I want you to really think about what can I hold on to this week? What can I hold on to this week? And do I need to approach? Give me a few seconds of silence and I'll, and I'll pray and we'll sing one last song. God, it's easy for me, it's easy for us when the world seems too big, when our failures too seem too big. When other things fail us to wonder if you care, you love us. But you spilt your blood for us, your very blood, as a perfect and satisfactory sacrifice for us. We know that's true. It's hard sometimes, God, to believe it. We believe. Help our unbelief. Help our unbelief. Help us approach. Bring us all the way to your face, to the throne itself, God. Thank you for your blood.